and welcome to the week 11 edition of the Lions podcast NFL style. Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy. You can find them on the Twitter machine at Adam Candy, two E's, no Y, at Steven Andrus, one. And of course, you can follow me at Matt Brown M2. Guys, we are going to run through each and every game on the slate this week, give you our thoughts, give you our opinions. And if we have any plays that are in our account, as well everything we do absolutely free so please if you're watching this on the video side hit that subscribe button and if you are just an audio listener one head over to youtube and subscribe do appreciate that backslash the lines but uh also subscribe rate review five-star review you don't even have to write the whole you know just a just a little five-star rating would be absolutely fantastic all right let's get things kicked off here in week 11 And we have the Bears and the Falcons right now. The Falcons are three-point, a juiced three at some shops, still some flat threes out there. Uh, Three-point home favorite over the Bears, 49.5 is your total in this one. Adam, whenever we take a look, we've been talking about this for the last couple of weeks here on the pod. And listen, this is not to just pat ourselves on the back, but we've been pretty good with the, hey, this Bears team has turned into a dead-over team. That said... This 49 and a half total, the market has finally caught up. And this Falcons offense, while it was efficient at the beginning of the season, has certainly been anything but here over the last several weeks of the season. And I wonder if the adjustment has gone too far in the direction of this Bears being a dead over team. The adjustment has gone too far in the direction of this Bears team being a dead over without question. Uh, I, I do like under in this game under 50 uh, is actually what I have. And mm-hmm. uh, you look at these two teams and you realize that if they're going to move the ball, they're going to move the ball on the ground. And we talked about it previously when we talked about the Cleveland Browns and said, don't be scared of overs when it comes to a rushing team. Be a little more scared of overs when it comes to two rushing teams. And when it comes to two rushing teams where by the pace stats, when either one of them gets a lead, they sit on the football. They are both bottom four in the NFL in pace when either one of them has a touchdown lead, which you assume someone will at some point mm-hmm. during this game. So, you know, you talk about the the efficiency and the efficiency for both of them is much more when Justin Fields is moving on the ground, when Marcus Mariota has the running game moving with Cordero Patterson, Tyler Algier, Caleb Huntley. So now you look at this game and say, OK, uh, I don't want to get involved with the side. I understand why this game is down to around a three point spread, because these two teams really are not all that far apart, with the exception of if Fields can make some big plays. But. I'm with you that I think the adjustment has gone too far. I'm wary of two running teams and either one of them not really having the ability to chase if they have to chase by throwing the football. It looks like AJ Terrell is going to be back out there. I mean, listen, he hadn't been great this season for the Falcons, but at least there is a corner that'll be out there that has a pulse. So that's at least another thing that I think leans towards an an underlook as well. Uh, Steven, I actually am on the Bears in this thing, plus three and a half. This thing did get to three and a half earlier in the week, and I went ahead and took the three and a half in this in a game in which, kind of like Adam mentioned, I just don't think that this is going to be played at margin. I I think that, you know, we're still dealing with two pretty bad teams, and I I think that people have gotten a little too quick in all of this to say, hey, Justin Fields is much better. No, the play calling is much better, and the utilization of Justin Fields is much better, but Justin Fields himself is not necessarily much better, and you can look at his passing stats, and yeah, they're a little bit better 
and his passing grades are a little bit better than they were at the beginning of the season. Couldn't be much worse. He was down at the very bottom of the league, but he has not like turned this great, great corner passing the ball or anything like that uh, with all this, just the, the, you know, the, the scheme has just been much better for this team. So again, I am, um, I I'm, I'm on the bears here. I just don't think that this thing gets outside of, of a field goal. If the bears don't win it outright. I missed out on the three and a half, but Mm -hmm. I bet the bears at three. I was Mm -hmm. comfortable still at that point. And Adam talked about, you know, being afraid to back this over under situation with two rushing teams. And I think you should also be afraid to back a rushing offense to win by more than a field goal, the way they're, they're bet they're the way they're set up like Atlanta 29th in neutral pace near the bottom of the league and passing over expected. Um, so winning by four or more points for Atlanta is a big ask here. This is not the same as earlier in the year where we were backing them as a dog. And I think you should also be afraid to back a favorite that's a rushing team when the other rushing offense is better than yours over the past five weeks because Chicago and Justin Fields running this kind of Cam Newton, Lamar Jackson type offense, they are now better than Atlanta by EPA and better uh, rushing the ball too by EPA and success rate over the past five weeks. So all of this kind of lines up to, to take Chicago, I think, to cover three here. And um, just looking back at our power rankings this week, Matt, we mm-hmm. both had Chicago ahead of Atlanta yeah. this week. So uh, I think we're, we're aligned here. And, I, you know, just to kind of put a bow on this, this is, yes, it's a road game for Chicago, but the way that this offense functions now and the way that they, the way that they're kind of trying to operate, I think going indoors on turf is actually more beneficial to this Bears team than it is playing outdoors where you're relying so much on the athleticism of Justin Fields and him being able to escape and do the different things like that. Like, I think if anything, it's a slight uptick for the Bears as opposed to to a downtick. Uh, Marcus Mariota over the last two weeks, 5.6 and 6.2 yards per attempt, 31st in EPA per drop back over the last two weeks as well. Again, this offense, it was it was performing, we called it, the offense was performing way over at skis at the beginning of the year, and the regression did come back around for them. I do like the Bears in this one. At three and a half, if you can find it, if you can't, no big deal. Go ahead and uh, take the three out there. I think it'll be perfectly fine. Next game on tap here, the Cleveland Browns and the Buffalo Bills. The big news here, as we know, this game has been moved out of Buffalo. It is going to be played in a dome setting now over in Detroit. What that has done is raise this total that had gotten as low as 41 back up to 49 and a half. There's even a 50 showing right now, seven and a half, eight in favor of the Buffalo bills. Steven, when we take a look at this one, this is your classic case of know your sports book rules. And hopefully you were on the good side of all of this. If you play at DraftKings, as long as the home team continues to be listed as the home team, the bet is live. So if you were able to get in on an over at 41 at DraftKings, you're loving life right now. If uh, you got in when it was 42 on the under or something like that, you're not loving life at all. Uh, Caesars, which is, you know, William Hill Caesars, uh, bet is void. If you're circa in Vegas, if it moves further than 100 miles away from the original venue, then that makes it void. So again, just it, it varies book to book as to how this is all handled. So be sure you uh you know if you you might have to rebet this basically is where I'm going with this. If you thought you had a ticket in your account, you might not. Hundred miles. Oh, that's that's an interesting caveat. Yeah. Is it is it by air miles or is it by highway miles? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Walking mile, I, I don't know. Straight line miles, I don't know how they do it. But <laughs> within within a hundred miles, yeah. 
<laughs> That's a fun do. one by Circa. Uh, so am I the only one here that doesn't really care about the line movement? Because I understand why the Bills went from being – around eight and a half in Buffalo to seven and a half in a lot of spots here. You're not on, you don't have home field advantage anymore. And I get that, but I feel like I'm in the minority this week in the belief that the Buffalo bills offense on a neutral field in perfect conditions in a dome environment is better than having the Buffalo offense in a home game outdoors in the cold with wind, with maybe some snow. So uh, that's my opinion of this game. I was happy to see the change of venue. I was even happier to see that I get an even better number to tease the Buffalo Bills. I went hard on the Bills minus one and a half for a teaser leg this week. And the Browns defense has been terrible. They have given up 30 points in recent weeks to the Chargers the Patriots, the Dolphins. And after the first month of the season, if you take those first four weeks out, the Browns defense is 31st in EPA per play allowed, 28th in success rate allowed. And I just think the Bills have been unlucky in two of their three losses this year. They ran 51 more plays than Miami. They went two for four in the red zone, lost by two. They went three for six in the red zone against Minnesota and had literally the craziest sequence of events I've ever seen in a fourth quarter for that game to get to overtime, for them to lose the game. Just absolutely wild ending here. So I I thought it was a gift to get Buffalo minus one and a half on a teaser leg this week, and I ran and bet it. Adam, we talked about, you know, these dead over teams. One of the other teams that we've been screaming about that even though they run the ball as much as they do, they're efficient at running the ball and their defense has been trash as this Cleveland team. They're seven, one and one to the over so far this season, because again, bad defense, efficient offense. So it just, it just equals how it is now back up to 49 and a half. I don't know. I still lean towards the over here. If we take a look at what really, what the bills have been doing, they lead the NFL in yards per drive. I mean, like they are moving between the twenties. The problem and specifically the last few weeks has been the red zone of all the guys that actually still have their job. (laughs) Josh Allen has the worst EPA per play inside the red zone in the NFL. The last three weeks, only Sam Ellinger was worse than him. And of course we know he didn't have his job anymore. So it's, hasn't been moving the ball. You can look at these box scores. They have massive yardage totals. It's just been, they can't punch the ball in the end zone. I would think if there was some positive regression to come back around, it would probably come against this Cleveland team. There is a, I also would look at the last three weeks and say he's thrown at least two interceptions in all three of those games. And all three of those games are when we know that he's been hurt. And to me, that introduces enough variance into this game that I'm going to take a pass entirely, uh, not only because Josh Allen might be hurt to the point where it's affecting performance, but also because we don't know when Josh Allen might not make it through an entire game. And that to me is enough to keep me off this. I agree with everything else that you guys talked about in terms of how bad the Cleveland defense is, how efficient the Cleveland rushing offense is. Uh, That being said, when there's a situation with the quarterback like Josh Allen's situation, turnovers are variants, injuries are variants. I'll pass on this one. Yeah, I don't like a side really as much. I could see Steven's teaser leg here. I just think that I think moving this thing indoors does create at least a little bit more of a 
a, a weirdness to this one that I'm not willing to kind of pull the trigger on here, but I do think an over is certainly well within play in this one. I, I, I think that both teams end up moving the ball. All right, next game we're going to tee up here is going to be the Philadelphia Eagles and the Indianapolis Colts. The Eagles coming off their first loss of the season on Monday night. They are six and a half to seven point road favorites over the Indianapolis Colts. 45, 45 and a half is your total. And uh, yeah, the Colts went ahead and uh, won a game. Jeff Saturday goes out and decides, you know what? I don't care that I said Sam Ellinger is going to start for us. We're going to start Matt Ryan. And they went out and Matt Ryan has this like, career game essentially for the last three seasons he like, hadn't had a game that good in three years and they end up winning the game now why they're doing this i have no idea it's not beneficial to them in the long run but that's neither here nor there um when we take a look at this one adam i mean look it, it i know this should be one of those things where we go hey here's a buy low on the eagles the, you know it's under a it's under a touchdown and they're getting this colts team is coming off of a win market's overreacting that being said, this Colts team, I mean, this uh, Eagles team has just been, in, been getting gashed on the ground, and that does bother me. Then they lose Dallas Goddard now for multiple weeks. They know how bad the run defense is with Davis out, so they go and sign Linval Joseph and Indomitian Sue. And, like, here's the deal. Sue actually last year was decent in the pass game. He had six sacks, seven tackles for loss. He had 13 quarterback hits, all that different stuff like that. But he was a 57 grade against the run. So, I mean, it's like, yeah, you're getting a big body in there, but not necessarily a big body that that plugs the run gap. And Philadelphia's given up 155 yards a game over the last three weeks. And so, I don't know, man. It, it, something has me feeling fishy about this one with Jonathan Taylor and all of that. I, I'm, I'm going to take a pass on this one. I have a hard lean to Indianapolis that I haven't mm-hmm. quite played yet. And it's for two reasons. One... I've been saying for a while that Philadelphia is that many measures better than most other teams in the Mm -hmm. league, but Philadelphia against what would be just a neutral team in any given year, I don't think is that much better. And to be giving a touchdown on the road to an Indianapolis team that still has a top half of the league defense is a lot. Uh, I haven't quite made the move yet just because I don't want to, overreact to Indianapolis in one week last week against a moribund Raiders team pulling things back around. And you guys know I've been lower on Indianapolis than the market for the entire season. But I've also noticed that my power ratings are starting to even out a little bit with Mm. Indy. I probably made some of the bigger adjustments in my power ratings this week than I have the entire season, largely because, A, we have half the season uh, to go with, and B, I think I finally got to the point where I was able to look and say, there are very few teams that are that much different than anyone else. And yeah, I, yeah. I change the numbers a lot based on that. So the lean for me is Indy. I haven't played it yet. I will probably wait to see what the injury report ultimately plays out because both Devonte Smith uh, and AJ Brown are on the injury report. If either one of them doesn't go, that probably will tip me to Indy. Yeah, I, there were seven and a half. And I just, I looked at it and I looked at it and I looked at it. And then by the time I looked at it that fifth time, they were gone. And so I didn't get the seven and a half. I too was probably going to lean towards taking the, the, the over a touchdown with the Colts because this run defense has been that bad. And I don't know if you can just fix it in a week with two, you know, mid thirties guys, you know, at defensive tackle, not really known for their run defense really anyway of late. I mean, Limbaugh Joseph back in the day was a, was a beast at defending the run, but uh, he's up there in age as well. Steven, 
last week in, in the, in the win over the Raiders last week, 73% of Matt Ryan's passes were out within 2.5 seconds of the snap and 64% of the attempts went only one to 10 air yards. And so basically they're like, Hey, look, let's just dink and dunk down the field and we'll just dink and dunk down the field and hand it off to Jonathan Taylor. And that's kind of how we're going to go about all of this. And I, you know, look, it worked last week. I think it's probably another heavy dose of Jonathan Taylor this week and probably a whole bunch of dink and dunks from Matt Ryan. And with that being the case, that's basically an extension of the run game. The clock just ticks and ticks and ticks and uh, might even create a, a possession or two fewer for the Eagles, which makes taking seven, seven and a half, even more kind of appealing. Not a bad game plan from Jeff Ted Lasso Saturday mm. and the 30 year old first time play caller against the, the Las Vegas Raiders. So uh, hat tip to them. They they got me good last week. So mm. I agree with everything Adam said here. I don't have much to add other than I do think this is just an interesting week to observe Indianapolis to see if they have kind of pivoted to actually caring and winning games the rest of the season. Um, it certainly is counterintuitive over the long run if they want to actually get back to being near the top yeah. of the AFC, Matt. We both agree on that. And I think Jim Irsay tried and maybe hired uh, too positive of a, of a guy off the street here to actually mm -hmm. motivate guys and get them to play well. So um, the minute they switch back to Matt Ryan, everything changed, in my opinion, on this team. They're not a they're not a bottom three team with when Sam Ellinger is is on the bench. So um Eli Hershkovich bet Indianapolis earlier this week. He got the seven and a half. So another reason for everybody to be watching and listening to beat the closing line earlier in the week. Uh, but other than that, I think this is a, a week to observe and, and see if the Eagles can correct their issues against a bad offensive line against the run here and whether or not Indy is going to be a middle of the road team, at least for the rest of the season, like we thought they might be coming into the year. Yeah, I, I look, this is it's a very interesting game, I think, just from a kind of moving forward standpoint, because, guys, we had all and, and rightfully so had written off the the Colts. They are not out of the playoff picture at this point. Like, I mean, like no. it, it's like it is. That's where we stand in the NFL right now, where where Adam just mentioned, like, is anybody really that much better than anybody at this point? Uh, they're still within the playoff picture. And so this is and a, Adams made Adams made great points over the last few weeks about how good the Indianapolis Colts defense is. The defense has never been the issue with this team. Yeah, you know, for sure. Uh, so again, if this thing got to seven and a half, I'll tell you, I, I if it got back seven and a half somehow, I'd, I'd play it. Like I really would. I would, I'd play the Colts on seven and a half and uh, I'd feel pretty good about it. I think they'll be able to run the ball, keep it, keep it kind of play some keep away from this Eagles team. And I think that's a decent way to kind of look about this total seems about appropriate though, at 45 and a half. Bet basketball, baseball, or hockey with a risk-free bet up to $600 at BetMGM. Sign up and use bonus code THELINES and you're on your way with the king of sportsbooks. Get the BetMGM app today and use promo code THELINES to make a risk-free bet up to $600. This is a new customer offer. Paid in free bets. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Nevada, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia only excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call one 800 5 
522-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, and Virginia. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. And 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa and Tennessee. Call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. All right, we got the football Jets against the New England Patriots. The Patriots at home are three, three and a half point favorites. Our total sitting a very low 38, 38 and a half out there in the market. Steven, when we take a look at this game, it is, you know, if we wanted to do the low hanging fruit handicap, the low hanging fruit handicap is Zach Wilson on the road against Bill Belichick. And this is where Bill Belichick has thrived throughout his entire career. Now, it's, I understand that's a very simplistic handicap, and that's a handicap that a lot of people are saying, yeah, well, you know, this isn't the Belichick team of old, and it didn't yada, yada, yada. Well, you know, look, the one thing you can do with these some of these defensive statistics, and certainly when we look at kind of the EPA per play and the success rate stuff and all of that, is we can narrow down the time frame in which we are looking at these statistics. So if we, let's say we just go a month out from the season. Let's, you know, let's, let's say since week five moving forward, do you know the number one defense in the NFL EPA per play allowed? It is the, it is the new England Patriots. Do you know the number one defense and success rate allowed? It is the new England Patriots. It is also the number one defense in drop back EPA allowed. And so look as bad as Mac Jones has been and he has, he has regressed a ton and this offense sucks, but the defense has shown up and the defense has been the best defense in the NFL over the since since week five in a lot of statistical categories. So I don't know. Hard time for me to back the Jets in this. If anything, I would be playing the flat three on the Patriots. I, I just can't take it with the Jets on the road with Zach Wilson, a quarterback. I did play the flat three on the New England mm-hmm. Patriots. I did take the low hanging fruit of Zach Wilson against Bill Belichick this mm-hmm. week. And I think there is kind of a split in the market opinion on this game because we've seen three and a half get gobbled up with the Jets and then we've seen threes get bet with the New England Patriots so it's kind of bouncing between those two numbers and I think part of that is the people that are looking at the box score the last time these two teams played and the fact that the Jets had 6.7 yards per play to only 3.8 for the New England Patriots. And the Jets' D is really good. I mean, you mentioned New England, and rightfully so. They have a great defense, and this has an appropriate total with a a number that starts with a three. And the Jets have that cheat code on defense I always talk about with getting pressure with having a near-bottom-of-the-league blitz rate. So all that's great, but but Zach Wilson – is not just some low-hanging fruit. Like, this is a big deal. Quarterbacks matter a ton in the NFL, and Bill Belichick has feasted on guys like Zach Wilson who can't get through their progressions, who have trouble handling pressure. And don't look now. You mentioned those stats for New England. They also have surpassed for the season Dallas as the number one team in terms of generating pressure. And Zach Wilson's completion percentage when pressured this year is 14.6%, 38th. In the NFL. So whatever. Like we you can say you can argue that New England's gonna have trouble moving the ball, and I believe that, but I think it is more likely that Zach Wilson sabotages this for the Jets somehow again, unless they're able to run the ball and, and only let him throw it ten times in this game. So I took New England minus three. 
So Adam, I guess my question to you is this, is everything that we've, that my little spiel I gave, and then Steven gives his little spiel. And if we're talking about, you know, two good defenses and two quarterbacks that we don't trust and two offenses that haven't really done anything all, all, you know, all season long, even with it being 38 and a half, shouldn't we just be playing the under in this game? Doesn't this have like 1710 written all over it? It does. And I would add to that. You can look at it from another perspective that if you believe there are going to be a lot of turnovers in this game, you might end up with a lot of short fields. You might end yep. up with enough to get over. I, I, I'm with you that the only place to play this for me would be under, but I'm not doing it. Uh, I'm actually oppo here. Um, I, I have the Jets plus three and a half. Um, yeah. We can talk all we want about Zach Wilson versus Bill Belichick. Zach Wilson versus Bill Belichick. What about Mac Jones versus mm -hmm. Robert Sala? Because Mac Jones was almost as bad as Zach Wilson in that game last time around. Now, I know that well because Zach Wilson had a, a teaser leg hanging out there for me that the Jets were able to backdoor <laughs> cover uh, late in that game, a 22-17 final. So in a game where Zach Wilson played as poorly as humanly possible, the New York Jets, yes, I know it was a garbage time touchdown, still mm -hmm. only lost by five points. Mac Jones has been horrendous for almost a full year and a half at this point. So I don't know that I believe that either one of these teams is three and a half points better than the other. And that's really where I am on this. It's not a matter of I love the Jets. It's a matter of you're going to give me three and a half points with a total of 38 and a half with these two teams, especially with these two quarterbacks, then I'm going yeah. to take the three and a half. Now you talk about New England and the number, the number one they have. They're number one in uh, weighted DVOA on defense right now. The Jets are fifth. Now, New England has a very obvious split. They're second against the pass. They're 21st against the run by DVOA. Well, the one thing the Jets actually have done fairly well this year, in fact, top third of the league, is run the football. And that's even weighted uh, after losing Lajavera Tucker and having an injured Dwayne Brown for a lot of the year. So I'll leave it there. I don't love Zach Wilson. I'm going to be clenching various parts of my body throughout this game <laughs> to try to back him we plus both three are. and a half on the road. Yeah, I actually, it's so funny. Y'all are, you, Steven's on one side, you're on the other side. I actually think I'm just going to play the under. So like we're probably yeah. just going to have three yeah. different bets. We're probably just going to have three different bets on this game. But I mean, the more we talk through it, it's kind of like, hey, look, this just seems like 17-10, 17-13 is just coming, coming to roost here. So I just kind of feel like maybe that's the way. I the market's the same way. The market reflects exactly what just happened with with me taking three and Adam taking three and a half here. It's it's just bouncing back and forth between these two numbers. We got the Los Angeles Rams on the road at the New Orleans Saints, and let us say the absolute worst game of the week this week. Uh, it is sitting right now the Saints as three point home favorites, a total of thirty nine. Guys, Cooper Cup's lost for the season for the Rams. The Saints have decided for whatever reason to continue on with Andy Dalton back there. Here's the thing. If they were going to tank, you'd think that'd be a great uh, that'd be a great idea, except they don't have a first round pick this year. So it doesn't really matter how bad that they they end up. So I don't know why you don't YOLO it with Jameis or hell put Taysom back there. Whatever. I don't know. But anyway, uh, we don't really even know. We assume it'll be Matthew Stafford who's going to be playing quarterback for the Rams. This had gotten up to four. News of him practicing got this thing back down to three, and that's where we sit right now. Um, Adam, uh, look, it is it is one of the very first games I scratched off this week. I, there's no motivation for either one of these teams. Season's over for both of these teams, and so 
I just when when we get to that point at this point in the season, like we're so early in the season where it's basically over for both teams. I can't gauge motivation. I can't gauge what coaches are trying to do. I can't figure out if guys are trying to save jobs or save coordinators jobs or run coordinators out of town and all that. And it just, to me, ends up being a very, very confusing handicap. I actually have a play here. I love it. I love it. I love it. Good. Over, over 39. Okay. Look at what happened defensively with both of these teams just last week, right? Let's take a look first at the Los Angeles Rams, who managed to give up 27 points to Colt Effing McCoy and Trace McSorley. 27 points. We be nice to Colt McCoy. You, I, um, I'll consider it. We'll get to uh, him later. Let's look at the other side of this with the New Orleans Saints. They gave up nearly three touchdowns to a Kenny Pickett-led team on the other side. So I think we have an impression of these two defenses that is not reality uh, because we're used to seeing them both be really good. And right now, they're just not. And I think part of it is that they're getting left on the field for way too long by these offenses. So it doesn't take a lot to get to 39 in perfect conditions indoors. Uh Yes, I'm definitely scared of the Rams offensive line. I'm definitely scared of Andy Dalton. Mm -hmm. That being said, I am on over 39, largely because I have not seen anything out of these two defenses that tells me they can stop anyone. And you give me 21 to 20 and we're there. Yeah, the uh, look, the the efficiency numbers have certainly been pretty terrible for both of these offenses. But as you just mentioned, we were we're looking we just you just need both teams to play in the low 20s and you're going to get there. I mean, I I guess my only question is, Stephen, whenever we kind of try and take a look at this game is where is the silver? Where's the silver lining? Like, What are we? What is the angle we're looking at here? I mean, maybe it's a prop play in this from a Ram standpoint. Van Jefferson got worked more back into the game, you know, into the offense last week, especially after Cooper Cup had to leave. I mean, maybe there's something there. Maybe it's we look at the, you know, the we look at how bad the Saints defense has been. You're trying real hard right now, yeah, man. I, I, You're I don't know. Real hard. I, I'm just trying so hard to figure out what's the what the angle is in this game. What What am I missing? You're not missing anything, man. It's a complete it's a complete mystery in this game. They threw to Cooper Cup so much. How do you have any idea who's how the targets are going to be spread to anybody else? And they can't run the ball with this offensive line. I don't care if they're playing the Saints or not. So I'll say this. Back in the Saints is a three-point favorite at this point. Hard no immediately. Like mm-hmm. I would only be interested in the Saints as a, as a dog at this point, rest of the season, right? The Rams losses this year. Other than last week where Stafford's not starting, just throw that out. Wolford's starting, whatever. There, there are other losses this year against the Bills, the 49ers twice, the Cowboys, and the Bucks, who all have one thing in common defensively. They pressure very well. And with the Rams' offensive line, that's a horrible situation to be in. The, the Saints are not that. The Saints are 28th in pressure rate. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know what this offense is going to be without Cooper Cup. They're obviously going to be worse. But – if Matthew Stafford has a clean pocket, then we've seen him at least be able to execute this offense this year. It just so happened that they had a, a lot of games against top-tier teams with good defenses that pressure a lot. So I think this is a big step down in class for him this week. And at least on paper, the Rams' defense is still sixth overall in success rate, number two against the run. 
I just have no idea what the motivation is at this point for this Rams defense, right? Like, how do we have any idea whether they care about playing hard anymore, whether they're going to come out and give their best effort mm-hmm. on the road in New Orleans, going across the country from Los Angeles, basically? So the only angle I would be interested in here is, is a live bet on the Rams at plus three and a half or better, but you can't be confident about anything in this game, I don't think, from a side perspective. Rams second to last in yards per game, fourth to last in points per game adam to put a bow on this though here's the thing if anything and this is like i I, maybe this is just the glass half full optimistic you know look at all of this but if anything we have a situation where the rams were so poor on offense they were so bad with what they were doing and now cooper cup is gone who is basically the entire offense Having to do something different, it can't be worse, right? Like, it has to be better. Like, they have to do something different on offense now because Cooper Cup's not going to be out there. So, if anything, it, it it should it should have a positive effect because literally it can't be worse. They're basically last in every, in every single metric. I think what it's going to do is force Sean McVay to go deeper into the playbook and maybe you introduce a little bit of variance into this with some yeah. more trick plays, etc. Now, again, trick plays generally require time, which is one thing the offensive line has not been able to give uh, to Matthew Stafford or to John Wolford. So I, I have concern about all those things. But again, I'll, I'll just go back to the fact that right now I do not see enough with these defenses for me to um, a backside, but B do anything but go over. Lions and the Giants. The Lions on the road at the New York football Giants. Three points in favor of the Giants. A 45 total pretty much across the board. 144 and a half is still out there. Steven, I have the New York football Giants in my account. I will continue to back the New York football Giants. I backed them last week when you guys were, when when uh, even, even Adam was sitting there telling me that it was, that you shouldn't, we shouldn't be back in the football Giants. Listen, here's the thing. And we'll talk about this when we get to a, another game a little bit later in the Cowboys and Vikings. But I do think that all of these stats that we talk about all the time, we mentioned we we reference pro football focus and we reference, you know, what's going on with DVOA and we look at yards per play and we talk about EPA, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There is no advanced statistic for what the guy on the sideline brings to the table. There is no advanced stat where we can look and say Dayball is worth X. And I actually think Dayball's worth something. I think that the direction that he has this this offense moving, he is called plays that are perfectly catered to the personnel that he actually has out there. He's getting the absolute most out of a, let's you know middle of the range roster, maybe even bottom half roster, right? I mean, like he is, I think a spectacular coach is going to be a superstar in this league. And so we know for one thing, that is not the case with Dan Campbell on the other side of the, of the ball here. I mean, look, it is, it's one of those deals where I am backing what I consider to be the better coach, the better team with a better quarterback, a better running back, can't really say that about the wide receiver position, but I don't know if that's really going to matter all that much because you can do kind of whatever you want against this Lions uh, defense. And so I think three is too short. I like the Giants here a ton. Uh, what say you? I say they were pretty lucky to cover the spread against the Texans last week, first of all. And they had given up a lot of red zone opportunities to Houston that David Mills just was not able to cash in on. So I felt really fortunate to to cash that Giants bet last week. 
even part of the handicap though. This is the, I heard, I've heard this narrative too all week. Like this is part of the handicap. It's still Davis Mills at quarterback. Like everybody talks about all this stuff where they go in and they look at the box score and they come out with this, oh, this X, this X, Y, Z team is lucky. And they're just getting so incredibly forward. That's part of the handicap. You're going up against Davis Mills. Like that is part of the handicap in these games. Yeah, I, I totally get that. But part of the handicap as well is, is acknowledging that the Giants statistically have been bottom half of the league this year. And Dable has been getting the most he possibly can squeeze out of this, obviously. It's been impressive. And part of that has been the schedule of opponents that they played. Now, I, I will also say I, I can't figure out the Detroit Lions to save my life because they go through a stretch before their bye week where they're just giving up more points than any team we've seen in recent memory. The defense is dead last in the NFL in metrics. And then the last three weeks, they play Miami competitively. They upset Green Bay and then they go on the road and beat Chicago. So I don't know what team I'm getting week to week with with Detroit. I don't. I just can't figure it out. Um, I'm very confused about this game. I don't have a play, but I feel like I'd only be interested in Detroit here. Just, I don't know. I just, if it's, it's hard. I look at the giants a little bit the way I look at the Titans. They're a team I can't figure out. The stats don't really back up them being a favorite, a big, or to win by more than a field goal in some of these games. So it's just a blind spot for me that I have to acknowledge. So, Adam, you watch the Giants as closely as anybody. Here's the thing that I think is going to really make or break this, this bet for me this week, and that's the fact is they bring in Week Martindale. We both know. Old school guy, I, 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 he's not going to change his stripes. He, they are, the Giants blitz at the number one rate in the NFL, and he's going to do that again against Jared Goff. Now, typically, that has been a good thing. Last week, the Bears blitz Goff on 43% of his dropbacks, and he went 8 of 11 on those on those plays for 0.83 EPA per play on those plays because they weren't getting home with those blitzes and golf you know look he's got some talented receivers I mean he's got some guys that he can go to so it's basically for me a a, again a very simplistic handicap where I know Martindale's not going to to abandon the blitz that's just not what he does he took it to the he he brought it with him from the Ravens over to New York and he's going to do it they just have to get home. If they get home, we know Jared Goff is terrible against the Blitz. Like it's like if they get home, it's going to be bad news for him. Probably get some short fields, maybe some you know pick six opportunities, some strip sacks, different things like that. But what we've what we've seen is at least last week against Chicago, and they're worse on the back end than the Giants are, but but not much worse than than the Giants are on the back end. Is if you don't get home, Goff actually has some guys that can make some plays and and do whatever. So. I, that seems to be the handicap for me here. To what Steven said about trying to figure out the Lions the last few weeks, I think you can boil it down to health. When the Lions were bad for the middle third of what we've seen so far, they didn't have Amon Ross St. Brown. They didn't have DeAndre Swift. They just didn't have the weapons, and they were banged up on the offensive line. So this particular week, I look at it and say, going back and looking at the Giants from last week, I think you're both right to a degree. Um the Giants were outgained by Houston in that game. The Giants also allowed five red zone trips that completed six points for the Texans. And that can be part of the handicap when it comes to it's Davis Mills. But that is the extreme part of the handicap for that's Davis Mills, right? Because it, let's just say you take a couple of those red zone trips and turn them into field goals, which is not crazy to think about. 
then that would put the handicap a lot closer. In fact, it would have covered some numbers, not yours. Obviously, you got the best of the number with four in that spot. Uh, five sixes would have been in danger. Now, that being said, you're right. Uh, at some point, the Giants are fundamentally a little bit better than the bad teams. What scares me yeah. this week is that the Lions, when they play well, their tail distribution on the good end, they're really good offensively. And that, to me, would lead me only one way in this game, and it would be toward the over. I know the Giants don't look like much of an over team uh, with the fact that they run the ball as much as they do, but 45 is not asking a lot. And you look at last week, even with Davis Mills being as bad as he was, you had the Giants in Houston put up 42 points. So the Lions offense is absolutely at least a field goal better than Houston, probably more so. Daniel Jones, 0.53 EPA per drop back last week. Now, they didn't have to throw a ton because you're playing the Texans, and the Texans have a historically terrible run defense. And, of course, Saquon Barkley just went crazy. But when uh, Daniel Jones did have to throw, he threw very effectively yeah. for them. So, uh, by the way, a guy that's not getting the credit he deserves. Uh, I mean, look, all the credit to Dayball, and he certainly put him in, in great great positions. But Daniel Jones has been good this year. That's just, just no way about that, right? With as little as he has to throw to, the fact that they're having this type of success and he's having that type of success, I'd like to think that Wondell Robinson take, continues to take step forward here it, for this team. And um, non-participant, the, by the way, with the hamstring this week once again, uh, Wondell yeah. Robinson might not be able to get on the field this week. We'll uh, we'll we'll certainly monitor that. Um, Giants, Lions, interesting interesting three point spread in them. Panthers and the Ravens. This is not an interesting spread. Uh, we are sitting right now at 13 had gotten as high as 13 and a half uh, may get to 13 and a half again at some point in this one in favor of the Ravens at home. They are coming off of a buy. They had every single person back at practice yesterday. Not a single person mispracticed due to injury. Um, so it is fairly interesting when you have a 13 point spread in a game with a 41 <laughs> total Adam traditional thinking should be we should blindly play the Panthers like it is a 13 point spread in a 41 point game if there's anything that you want to like say that is kind of looking up it is Baker Mayfield they are going to go Baker Mayfield at quarterback and no matter what you think about Baker Mayfield he is better than PJ Walker I mean that's all that we can definitely we can at least definitively say that he's better than PJ Walker this defense at least has a pulse at times Man, I, why have I not put this in my account? Like I have stared at this number all friggin' week. Like why have I not put, it'll be a contest play for me for sure. I will take the 13 in the super contest and it's circa millions or whatever. But like, why don't I just bet this? This is, this should be a no brainer. It absolutely should be a no brainer. I'm with you on that. Um, <laughs> I understand your hesitation. I think the lean should be to Carolina. I, my number makes this 10 and a half which is a huge number, of course. Mm -hmm. But Baltimore at its core uh, is probably not going to be a team that plays these 35 to 7 kind of games to, to blow you out. And the one thing we have to acknowledge about Carolina is that there's a bit of Ewing theory going on here with Christian McCaffrey where Dante Foreman's been outstanding. Mm -hmm. And this team right now is actually by rush DVOA 11th in the league. Carolina the line right. has improved throughout the season. Iki Aquanu has gotten better and better as this season has gone on. Now, that to me says 
If one team can run the ball effectively, slow the game down and prevent Baltimore from getting as many possessions, it would seem to me that you get on the side of the team that's getting nearly two touchdowns. I get it, though. Baker Mayfield is awful, and you always have the chance that Baltimore's defense is going to turn him into a three-interception guy in any given week. So I, I know why you're hesitating. I think the only play for me would be Carolina. So, Stephen, I've set this scenario up before when we've had these massive spreads, and it's kind of like, okay, Baltimore could be up 17 in the fourth quarter. Like, you are up comfortably three scores in the game. Like, there is a 0% chance that the that that the Carolina Panthers can win. So 90 seconds left in the game, Baker Mayfield is capable enough of dinking and dunking the ball down the field to Terrace Marshall and DJ Moore and get in the end zone, which makes it 10. The Ravens still win by 10. They feel great about a 10-point win. They just stomp the hell out of the Panthers, but it covers this 13. It's like it's like that's where I it's so hard for me. And it's like it's even crazier if it gets to 13 and a half where you could be up 20 in the fourth quarter and like, and give up a touchdown and it covers. So I, I just, to me, uh, I think I honestly believe if that 13 and a half, it only lasted like it only lasted like a minute when it did pop or whatever. If I can, if I can catch a 13 and a half, I think on principle, I'm just going to have to play the Panthers. I'm with you go to go deeper into what Adam said about the Panthers rushing offense since trading Christian McCaffrey overall, being led by Dante Foreman. I think they're seventh in rush EPA. And the start of that is when they upset the Bucks. So that from that point on, seventh in rush EPA. And, and for the season, the Ravens are outside the top 20 in stopping the rush by EPA and success rate. So the matchup is definitely there for them to shorten this game and and limit possessions, et cetera. So I'm with you on the 13 and a half here if we can get it. Um, I think that the problem is Baker Mayfield, obviously. If you look at the stats by EPA and success rate among quarterbacks, he's dead last in the league this year. So he could sabotage you. If if I'm hesitant about Zach Wilson, I should be hesitant about Baker Mayfield. But mm-hmm. uh, we're getting 13 points here. So yeah. totally different conversation. I, I like that. I like the fact that the Panthers, I think, can shorten this game. I'm with you if we can get the hook. It's, uh, you know, look, if you live in a state where FanDuel is available, if you live in a state where WinBet is available, the 13 is juiced. So, I mean, it could be heading to 13 and a half. So just keep an eye on it as you go, as you, uh, as you go about the rest of the weekend. But man, that just seems to me like a really, really giant number in a game with a very, very small total. So we shall see. All right, fellas, let's uh, let's talk a little uh, Commanders and the Texans. Um, look, Commanders, a win is a win is a win. Now, did they almost rip Dallas Goddard's head off and create a fumble that may or may not have changed the course <laughs> of the game that was with? Yeah, you know, whatever. But I mean, hey, uh, what the, what do they say? Good, good, good teams win. Great teams get away with egregious penalties that lead to a I've cover heard that and a win and whatever. Yeah, exactly. So did they uh, force a fumble after allowing a fifty-yard reception down the field? <laughs> that too. So. Jeez. So uh, as we sit right now, the commanders are three point road favorites. Now that is juiced at a couple of different books. So it could get to three and a half. If you are looking to take three and a half on the Texans, I would just hold out at this point. See what you get. 40 and a half, 41 is the total. Steven, look, second game for me that I just want absolutely nothing to do with here. They are sticking with Heineke instead of going back to Wentz, which they should do. 
The Texans, uh, you know, have been spunky, but in theory, we know they should lose. They want, they need to lose out. Like they, they want one of those top two picks to where to get, they can get one of the elite quarterbacks. So, um, you know, I think everything's fairly appropriate here with everything. I mean, maybe if anything, lean towards an under, but that that's, I don't have a ton with this one. So you can look at this kind of one of two ways. You can look at Davis Mills home road splits and maybe lean taking Texans as a, as a dog at home here. But I think with Washington turning so run heavy um, and, and Houston being miserable in stopping the run, I think I want a piece of Washington here as long as it's, as it's three or better. Uh, I would not be interested at three and a half, but to get that push equity potentially if it lands on three is 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 what I would want. Um, the Texans are 31st in rush defense DVOA, 31st by PFF. They are 31st in rush D success rate. So you can gash this team on the ground. And we saw that Washington can do that against Philadelphia last week, who also is, is struggling against the run as well. So um, – I am waiting for Adam to chime in and tell me once again about Taylor Heineke's terrible turnover worthy play rate. You literally, I, I'm play- looking up the updated number as you speak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's playing with fire every week with Taylor Heineke, but man, would see it hit run around like a chicken with his head cut off and acting like every week is the goddamn Super Bowl for mm-hmm. him, man. It's fun. I'll give him that. But I, if they're going to run it 50 times a game, then yeah, I'm going to take Houston to or I'm going to take Washington to cover a small number here. Uh, Adam, as we take a look here, I mean, it, it is, it is a Houston defense. We mentioned references even earlier in the pod. It's like, it, it is a almost on a historic pace for how much they are in futility for run defense. I mean, it's been absolutely putrid. We called this like, Hey, look, as long as you have a competent running back and a competent run game, then you are going to be able to do some damage on the ground against this team. So, I mean, We've seen Washington pretty much make the switch to Brian Robinson. So maybe the play is maybe the plays Robinson props in this game. I mean, like maybe it's Robinson over whatever his number is, because it's probably since he is still splitting carries with Gibson. I mean, it's probably yeah, Matt, I think I think both are good. They're running it yeah. so much that there's volume for both of them. So I, I wouldn't even be um, against taking whoever's got the lower number and playing his over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's the play in this. Adam, what do you uh, what do you see here in the old commanders and the Texans? What I see is that the Texans, when they were at two and a half. So I gather I'm talking about a number that does not exist anymore. <laughs> right, right. Were right. were as obvious of a teaser play to me yeah. as any team will guess. Yes. And that being said, I'm also way lower on the market, way lower on the market than uh, most on Washington. So that to me goes back to Taylor Heineke. You wanted it, you'll get it, Stephen. Uh, second in the league in turnover worthy play rate at five point six is Zach Wilson. Third in the league is Justin Fields at uh, 5.1. Zach Wilson's at 5.6. Taylor Heineke's at 6.9. He has been luckier than a guy with a horseshoe on top of a rabbit's foot. It's unbelievable that some of these passes have not gotten picked off, and it's also because of Terry McLaurin, so at least there's a little bit repeatable there. But Where's the horseshoe located, Adam? 
I is don't it, want it to let anyone. Okay, no, it's okay. a family Listen, show. Listen, I've tried this rabbit's foot horseshoe <laughs> crap in the casinos in Vegas. It doesn't work, man. So well, I don't know what Taylor Heineke, about. it works very well because not only that, he's been able to hit. Carson Wentz over the head with the horseshoe and keep him <laughs> on the sidelines. So yeah, it's my, by, by the way, quick aside, my favorite headline of the week is right now on ESPN.com. Heineke to start again Sunday. Wentz not ready. When was he ready? He was <laughs> right. never ready. Yes. All right. So yes. that's all of that said. I like Houston catching eight and a half on a teaser at home that now, if it gets to three and a half, as Matt alluded to, I probably would also take Houston plus three and a half at home just because I don't trust Washington offensively to be able to blow this past a field goal. And yes, the defense has gotten a lot better. Chase Young is coming back. He's probably on a snap count, pitch count, call it what you want. Um, Yes, they have played a lot better recently than they did early in the year. I'll give them that. But with Taylor Heineke, man, it is always a disaster waiting to happen. And that's all it takes for a team like the Texans to be able to cover. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, man, I'm, if it were the three and a half, it would be interesting for me at that point. I mean, as bad as I think that the Texans are, and I have them dead last in my power ratings, like I have them absolutely like dead last, but I think, I think I would have to be looking. I think I'd have to take a serious look at them at, at three and a half because I just don't, there's nothing that screams commanders by margin. If anything, like we're talking about super run heavy approach, tons and tons and tons and tons of carries. So yeah, nothing really screams commanders by margin at all. You're listening to the lines.com podcast network. Looking for the latest player props and the best betting odds from the top us sports books all in one place. Then join us right here every day this season for free picks and best bets from the sports betting experts you can trust. Check out the lines.com NFL Megapod as Matt Brown, Steven Andrus, and Adam Candy break down every game for this weekend's football slate. Join the Coast to Coast podcast crew Mondays through Fridays as Nate Weitzer and Josh Lander bring you the best player props and game lines for Major League Baseball, the NBA, and the NFL. And tune in to Beat the Closing Line twice a week as Nicole Russo, Mo Nawara, and Eli Hershkovich dive into NFL opening lines, plus special guests from the sports betting world. So subscribe, rate, and review to the Lines Podcast Network, the source you can trust to make you a better sports better. Raiders and the Broncos. Here's a fun one, guys. Yay. Uh, yeah. Yay, Raiders and the Broncos. So as we sit right now, it is three at DraftKings in favor of the Broncos. It's two and a half just about everywhere else uh, in favor of the Broncos. A total of 41 to 41 and a half. Um, so Adam, I look at this, it is a Raiders team that is in complete disarray. Um, we know we got the quarterback crying after games. We've got players coming out and saying that things aren't right and can't get chemistry, right. Et cetera, et cetera. Then you get the old vote of confidence for the coach. You know I mean? Anytime you get the vote of confidence, that's, that's great. That means if you have to get a vote of confidence, then things are not going very well, you know, in, in your organization. So I, I just, I look at this game and I'm like, Hey man, show me something to, to bet on here. I mean, Denver games, guys, Denver games, this defense that we've preached every week on this podcast, that is elite. And Patrick Sertan is the best cornerback in the NFL and all that Denver games because of the offensive futility and how good the defense is have gone 104 points under the total this year. <laughs> A hundred and four points under awesome. the total this year. 
because the offense sucks so bad, but the defense is so good. If here's the other one, here's the other one. If the Broncos, and I know if, if, and if, and if, and if, whatever, if the Broncos had scored at least 18 points in every game this year, they would have one loss. (laughs) They would have one loss on the season. If they had scored just at least 18 points in every game, Adam, uh, look, it it would have to be Broncos or pass for me. This, this, the, there's no pulse even for this Raiders team anymore, but trying to back this offense air quote offense for the Raiders. I just, I don't know. Hard for me to do. I mean, for the Broncos, I should say. So my first dog had a habit of waking up in the middle of the night and needing to throw up. And I became trained to the sound. Like I would hear him and I'm going to lean very close to the microphone for this. <laughs> and, and, then, exactly uh, and then there it was right like there it was it's like okay and i became a ninja at scooping him off the bed <laughs> and getting him onto the area rug where i knew mm. i would be able to clean it up or if i were really lucky into the bathroom onto the yeah. tile yeah. so that this would be a much easier cleanup that sound is what is in my head as i think about the raiders playing the broncos this week because that's <laughs> the kind of game i expect out of these two teams oh, and man. at two and a half up to eight and a half. Why not the Raiders on a teaser? Why not? Because what about the Denver offense says to you that they're beating anybody by more than eight points. That would be insanity. They don't have that in them. So if you're going to play this game, it's a Raiders teaser leg. But if you would prefer not to hear the sound of a dog vomiting in your head for three hours, then don't watch it. (laughs) Yes, I agree. I agree. Listen, the only the only thing that points towards Denver in this thing, and again, it's it it would mean that Denver would actually have to do something with with this offense, is that the the red zone defense for this Raiders team has been the craziest bad red zone. Opponents have scored on twenty one of twenty not touchdowns, not scored. They've scored touchdowns on 21 of 29 red zone possessions. They have gotten into the end zone 72% of the time that they have gotten in the red zone against this Raiders defense. And so if Russell Wilson can somehow trip and fall and complete a pass or something like that, they're going to score a touchdown because like the Raiders just give up touchdowns left and right when it comes to whatever. But again, I just don't know, uh, you know, Steven probably has, Steven, Steven probably has a bet because like that's he, that's the kind of sicko he is. I don't. I'm evolving. I have no bet in this game, but it would be the teaser leg on the Raiders if I was. I will admit that. That's that's what I had there. I just I see them getting shut out by the Saints 26 nothing on any given week and it makes me nervous as well. I like this idea, by the way, of uh, having our favorite headlines of the week mixed into the pod. Adam had his for Heineke. Mine was that the Raiders are too cash poor to fire Josh McDaniels. I was laughing hysterically. (laughs) I don't know if Mark Davis was an FTX investor or he's spending too much time on the tables on the strip. But Adam, what's going on, man? Well, the problem is haircuts are way more expensive in Vegas. (laughs) (laughs) But that's a true story. Expensive. That's a true story, though. Everything everything is is. more expensive in Vegas. What do you pay for a haircut, Matt? 
Uh, that's listen. Uh, you know. Oh, we get I too mean, personal. Come, Is that too on. personal? Come on, man. I'm like, you know, it's the money maker. Don't <laughs> don't make don't make him uh, don't make him drag every, the money maker. Every three weeks on the dot, I have to put it on the calendar, and I go in every single three weeks on the dot. Like I have you, a, an appointment. Is it a salon or is it a barbershop? It is. It is a salon. Yeah, is, that was is, that was easy. A, it is a salon. Hey, when you're this, when you're in professional look content at this making, look at this, you see this? Look at this. I uh, Buffon. Oh, I, I had quaff. Okay, Buffon. Yeah, Buffon it, works. Yeah. Uh, uh, real quick though, Adam. <laughs> okay, forty-one and a halfs are out there, right? I mean, like, are these teams playing in the twenties? I mean, I, I, I just. I mean, I understand it's a low total, but like, are, are these teams playing in the twenties? How many points did they score the first time they played? 55 it the, total. It was the one good game Russell Wilson's played all year. It, it, it was it, the one, yeah, but yeah. it's also the Raiders having scored 32 in that game. And the one thing that has not changed with the exception of the New Orleans game is that the Raiders actually are doing their part in scoring a few points, right? Even last week against yeah. the fight in Saturdays, they still scored 20. So, I mean, again, the, the Broncos might not do their part, uh, but if there's ever a team, as you just said, where they're going to do their part, it's going to be against the Raiders. So I'll, I'll skip the total. Cowboys and the Vikings right now, the Vikings are point and a half home underdogs to the Dallas Cowboys, a total of 48 and a half boys. I slammed this into the account Vikings. I slammed a teaser leg into the account Vikings. This is a Cowboys team that has allowed over 200 yards rushing in back-to-back games. This is a Cowboys offense that putter that, that stutters and putters up and down the field. And oh, by the way, thank you, Stephen Jones, for letting us know they're getting Zeke back out, back out on the field, boys. So by yeah. all means, by all means, make the offense less efficient for me in my bet. Go right ahead. I don't give a flying F that you're going to put Zeke back out there. I'm glad that you're doing it. And look, over the last two weeks. I think this is pretty simple. Over the last two weeks, there is Justin Jefferson has has an A dot of 13.5 yards down the field. He's accounted for 48% of the team's air yards. Up until then, he was getting eight yards uh, an attempt, an A dot of 8.11 and 38% of the air yards. Do you know what's different? They acquired TJ Hawkinson and TJ Hawkinson is allowed to come and run those intermediate routes and do that stuff over the middle and be super, super capable of being the guy to go to over those intermediate routes. And Jefferson doesn't have to run that stuff anymore and they can take advantage of his playmaking abilities and his speed and all the stuff further down the field. And I think this offense is a better offense the last two weeks than it was the beginning of the season. It was still a pretty good offense before then. Talk to me about luck. Talk to me about well, if Josh Allen hadn't have fumbled, they'd have lost. If Kirk Cousins had got in from the one one inch line, they'd have won. I mean, like there's there's you can paint the narrative any way you want to with with any of this. I take it back to what we were talking about with the Giants earlier. The Vikings have an edge on the sideline. Kevin O'Connell is a real coach. Those coordinators are real coaches. They are winning games they lost last year because they are making the right decisions and putting these guys in the best position to succeed. I love this Vikings team at home as underdogs here. I love them in a teaser leg as well. Who dares challenge me on this? <laughs> I can't do it. I mean, I've been I've been bad mouthing the Vikings all season long, man, but you can argue all you want about how they were lucky to win that game in Buffalo last week. They were not lucky, in my opinion, to cover the number. They met expectations, in my opinion, against Buffalo just before all the craziness. So uh, I think I think the market 
is looking at this game in two different ways. I think you have the people that look at closing lines and numbers and market opinion and think that the Vikings would be are, are are too short here because if you if you factor home field advantage in, they're saying that Dallas would be three and a half points better than Minnesota on a neutral field with this line, three to three and a half points. And I, that doesn't seem like it should be accurate. But we're also talking about numbers under three now with this game, which are the least impactful numbers when it comes to NFL and spread. So uh, I do think it's an opportunity to tease the Vikings, Matt. I did tease the Vikings up to seven and a half here. The on-field matchup is the other side of this, where I think you're getting some some Dallas action here. And Kirk Cousins should be dealing with pressure again. He's bottom 10, uh, the, the Vikings are, bottom 10 in pressure allowed. Dallas number two in pressure rate. And Mo Noir, our senior writer, pointed out in his teaser column that Kirk Cousins' passer rating drops by 30 points when he's pressured. And overall, it doesn't appear that there's anywhere on defense that Minnesota has an advantage over Dallas's offense unless they run Zeke into the line of scrimmage a bunch of times. But they haven't really been doing that when Dak Prescott is the quarterback. They have been more pass heavy. So um, top 10 in EPA defense the last three weeks against Arizona, Washington and Buffalo. So the Minnesota defense is improved. That is the other side of this argument. You can make that since coming out of the bye, they have been better. So I don't I think these are equally good arguments on both sides here. So just straight up on the spread, I couldn't really make a decision. But it certainly felt like taking extra points on the teaser leg for Minnesota was valuable. And if this were to flip to the other side for whatever reason, and Minnesota's a small favorite, then I'd probably tease the Cowboys up in this situation as well. Uh, so Adam, take a look here. I mean, look, Kirk, Cous- I've heard all this stuff about Kirk cousins and the passer, but like, look under pressure, he's middle of the pack. He's 15th in the NFL. I mean like that. Yeah, it's not great. And certainly not like, I'm not saying he's fantastic or whatever uh, against pressure, but I mean, whatever he's 15th in the NFL. Uh, that's not the worst thing to be middle of the pack against, against pressure, clean pocket. He's been absolutely awesome. And again, the addition to TJ Hawkinson, these are full season stats where he's only been there for two weeks. And I think that that really does uptick what we get out of a production standpoint and oh by the way like I just said the Cowboys have been gashed on the ground the past two weeks you have Dalvin Cook Alexander Madison as a one-two punch in this thing as well is am I just blinded by this Vikings love that I have and all these futures tickets that I have on the Vikings or do you think that this is an appropriate handicap when there's a quarterback where we say you know what he's been pretty good But my God, under pressure, he becomes the second coming of Johnny Unitas. Then let me know, because otherwise I'm tired of hearing about how much a quarterback's performance drops under pressure when it's not Zach Wilson, right? Like if it's Zach Wilson and the guy goes from pretty good to a dog on four legs, then yeah, okay, then I need to know about that. If it drops 20 points, yeah everybody's going to be worse under pressure. I'm worse under pressure when there yes. aren't four 300 pound men trying to kill me, which doesn't happen often. So no, <laughs> you're not blinded in any way, Matt. I bet the Vikings at about 4:30 PM last Sunday, um, this line came out and I thought, what on earth are we doing here with the Minnesota Vikings who have one of the true home field advantages in the league? One of the only true home field advantages in the league. They were still two and a half at that point. So I tied them up in a teaser uh, with the Tennessee Titans uh, up to eight and a half. And actually, the Titans were my anchor leg this week. So I'm already home uh, on one bet where I had the Titans up to eight and a half. I had the Niners down to two. 
uh, last week. And the other big one I'm waiting on is the Vikings to come in as the second leg of this. You can go deep into the handicap if you want. I'll go to, to Matt's point. Uh, Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison should be able to run all over the Cowboys defense. Um, at that point, it's not going to matter as much what Kirk Cousins does. And on the Dallas side of things, what was that last week? Honestly, yeah. uh, I, I have no idea what that was. And whatever you think of Matt LaFleur, you know, do you trust Mike McCarthy in a big spot? I don't. I don't trust Mike McCarthy in this spot at all. And it's not because of the call in overtime. Look, let's get it. Let's get this out of the way. That was a 50-50 call. Like, yeah, you had no yeah, good yes, choice in overtime. Yes, like, it's yeah. fine. It's not that. It's more just that we have seen McCarthy over and over again fold in this kind of big spot. So I thought the Minnesota teaser leg up to eight and a half was easy. If you want to play a money line, and frankly, instead of uh, instead of taking a couple points, I probably would just take the money line if that's the way I wanted to go on Minnesota. Bengals and the Steelers, our final afternoon game, and it is sitting right now. You can find three and a halfs on Cincinnati. This thing was five and a half, five, four. Now three and a halfs are coming up for the Bengals. Steelers are, you know, three and a half, four point home dogs here. Total of 40 ish, 40, 40 and a half, 41. You can find all three of those totals out there. Cincinnati coming off of a bye. Steelers get back TJ Watt. I don't care that they get back TJ Watt. I understand that he is a game changer, but. Look, it's Cincinnati coming off a bye. Everybody's a little bit healthier. I understand that you don't have Jamar Chase, but Cincinnati's just, if we go by power ratings, I mean, Cincinnati's literally 20 spots ahead of where I have the Steelers, if not more. The Mika Fitzpatrick had an appendectomy. He might be able to play, but weirdly enough, how you can play after an appendectomy. He had an appendectomy a week ago. Um, So that's one other player that could be out for the Steelers. One other guy that has a pulse. This is very easy for me. It's just a far superior team to me in nearly every single aspect going up against a far, far inferior team. I expect there to be, uh, they get DJ reader back as well. So he's going to be able to stop, uh, help this run defense. That was absolutely uh, mediocre for the Bengals all season long. So getting reader back is a big, big upgrade for them on the defensive line guys. I, I, Adam, talk me out of Cincinnati here because it's just to me at three and a half. I was I was gladly, gladly able to scoop up three and a half and felt wonderful about it. All right. Here's how I'll try to talk you out of it. Go back to the game they played earlier this year. Right. Which, Mm -hmm. of course, included some fluky things that are probably not likely to happen again. But TJ Watts back on the field. And Joe Burrow has taken the second most sacks in football this year with 30. And so if there's a leak. The leak is Joe Burrow holding the ball too long without Jamar Chase to stretch out the field for him. So that's the only way I could come at it from the Pittsburgh side. I'm not going to try to tell you uh, anything good about Mm -hmm. the Pittsburgh offense. I will tell you that I would be worried enough about Pittsburgh's ability to create pressure on Cincinnati that I'm not running to the window on more than three at three. I, I might be interested in Cincinnati at more than that. There are enough ways this could go sideways for me that it could turn into a field goal game and one of those ugly, ugly games like a 17-14 or something like that, that I'll pass on it. Steven, uh, I'm on the Bengals. What do what am I missing here? Uh, exactly what Adam said, mm-hmm. that when they have an offensive line that has been so bad as Cincinnati's that it can completely sabotage your offensive game plan. Um, we saw it again. I know it's a week one game, but seven sacks for Pittsburgh against Cincinnati. And there hasn't been really anything over the rest of the season to give you confidence that Cincinnati has figured out its offensive line. So home dog 
I took Pittsburgh plus four here. We're going to go heads up on this one, Matt. Yeah. I don't like that Jamar Chase still isn't playing. I don't like that their top corner of Wuzier is not playing. I think that this is uh this is a Bengals team that I am really nervous about right now. Uh, and this is a division matchup that's that's given them some issues. So I, I don't have any confidence in the Steelers offense either. I agree with you on that. But um, to ask them to cover by more than a field goal here, I think is is frightening when you consider how bad this offensive line is. Weirdly enough, we talk about all the the sacks. That said, a pressure allowed only 11th in the NFL uh, by the Cincinnati team. So basically, it's just kind of like when they do allow pressure, then it is, uh, you know, it ends up in a sack, but they don't allow a ton of pressure, actually, which is kind of weird. That's so, on Burrow, too, right? Yeah, like we've yeah. talked sacks are very much mm-hmm. as much as much of a quarterback stat. So that's on Burrow this year, too. I think he's regressed in, in that aspect of not doing a good job getting rid of the ball. Guys, be sure and check the YouTube channel for the Sunday night game, for the Monday night game, just so lean towards the Chiefs here. Lean uh, 49ers teaser leg uh, seems super fantastic. Everything we do here at the Lions, absolutely free. So please go in, subscribe, rate, review. Do all of the things that we need you to do. Thumbs up. Let us know in the comment section what games are you loving this week, what games you play, and what games do you disagree with us on. We are here for all of it as long as you're here and being respectful in the comment section. We want to have the dis- the discussion with you as well. Upper right-hand corner of the lines, get in the Discord, chat with everybody in the community there as well. For Steven at Steven Anders 1, for Adam at Adam Candy 2E's No Why, I am Matt Brown. Good luck on all your games here in Week 11. 